You're listening to the Health Coach Nation podcast. My name is Haley Rowe, and I'm a business coach for online health coaches who want to attract their ideal clients, stop feeling defeated by their never-ending to-do list, balance a healthy lifestyle with their growing business, and stop overanalyzing what everybody thinks of them so that they can confidently own their message and online presence. On this podcast, we dive deep into health information you can share with your clients, business strategy tips, and more. Let's get to it. Hey guys, I'm really excited about today's episode. We're going to talk with Amanda from Raw Fitness and Nutrition all about gut health and SIBO. So we're taking a little break from business tips and talking about health. Why? Because everybody needs to stay up to the latest and greatest news when it comes to health and gut health for your clients and for your own health. Because when we're not healthy, we cannot be bringing the best to our clients. So I'm really excited about this episode in particular. But I do want to remind you that this episode was recorded about quite a few months ago, maybe even a year ago. Amanda doesn't even have SIBO anymore, which is what we're talking about on today's episode. You'll find out more about that soon. But I just wanted to let you know that some of the things we talk about might not be up to date. So if you want to know what Amanda has been up to, you can follow her on Instagram and go to her website, rawfitnessandnutrition.com, as well as her Instagram, which is rawfitnessandnutrition. So let's get to the episode, and I think you're going to love it. Thank you so much for listening. So I'm here today with Amanda Carnero, and she is a health coach with the Institute of Integrative Nutrition and the founder of rawfitnessandnutrition.com, where she blogs and does coaching, and she's a personal trainer with NASM, which is also where I'm certified, so very cool. And first off, I know a lot of people when they are health coaches or trainers, they usually have struggled with health and wellness themselves and have had their own battles and struggles. So I guess start us off by telling us your personal journey when you realized you needed to make a change and if there was kind of a rock bottom moment for you. So I think I've always kind of struggled with anxiety and depression for sure. Um, And I think that translated to a lot of like emotional eating and digestive issues as I was getting older and living on my own and in college. And then when I moved to LA about 13 years ago, um, I remember my rock bottom moment was I remember seeing a photo of myself at a wedding and I was just like, whoa, like that's not me. Like I had gained a bunch of weight. I think part of the issue too was I was living in a new city. I was like trying to figure out this thing, this Los Angeles thing by myself. Didn't really have a lot of close friends. Um, and that's when I realized that I needed to make a change. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So I have a similar story. I moved to LA. I went to college there. Um, It's a tough world out there and it is kind of everybody for themselves. And I understand that how that could feel sometimes. Um, So when you saw that picture at a wedding and you also realized you were having some digestive issues, what was your first step? Like, were you kind of, I mean, I, I can understand you feeling frustrated or discouraged. What was your first step? Did you ask somebody for help? Did you read a book? What, what was your, your game plan? I don't remember the first step I took, but a few of the steps I took was one of them was like starting therapy. 
getting into talk therapy and just like talking things out. And then just, I mean, I think we all know what to do in terms of eating healthier in some way. Back then, I my eating healthy is very different from the version of eating healthy that I do now. But I just started making changes. You know, I started cutting out as much processed food as possible and really like limiting my portion sizes. Um, and that is also when I got certified as a personal trainer. So I started just getting the knowledge and reading um, and and use myself as a guinea pig and transformed my body. And then I fell in love with it. I loved, I loved not only what it did for my body, but I loved what it did for everything else. When you feel good in your body, you are better in your career, you're better in your relationships, you're better just out in the world and you feel better. Everything else in your life improves. So because I felt the transformation in myself, I wanted to help other people. And that's pretty much where my journey as a health coach and personal trainer and in the wellness world started. Wow. Yeah, definitely. And when you say your then and now looked very different as far as your health habits and what you were kind of doing, could you tell us like a little bit about what a day in the life of your life today looks like? Like what habit, <laughs> what healthy habits you practice and, you know, kind of from start to finish of a day maybe? Yeah. Um, I guess my days are very different because I have a lot of different things going on every day, but usually, um, well, right. I'll tell you what I'm doing right now because it changes yeah. often. Right now, I'm waking up. I'm doing um, a four sigmatic mushroom coffee. It's less, little less caffeine. My body doesn't do so well with too much caffeine, but I do that bulletproof style. So a little ghee, MCT oil, a little stevia, um, some cinnamon. So I make that, and I usually just have that until. And then I train clients all morning. Okay. And then I usually go to the gym. So I like to work out on a, in a fasted state. So without really having a meal, I just feel better when I do that. So I work all morning, go to the gym, and then I'll have like a big meal after that, usually with some protein, lots of veggies, like a big salad or just like a pile of vegetables. Um, and then uh, a few hours later, kind of do the same thing. Usually really my meals kind of are all over the place. So sometimes I'll just like do a smoothie or a soup or avocado or, um, yeah, it really just depends. Yeah. But it sounds very whole foods based, very high fat, maybe a little bit healthy fat. Um, and for people who don't know, MCT oil is a type of a derivative of coconut oil that increases your ketones, which basically are allowing you to burn fatty acids or burn fat for fuel instead of sugar. And so that kind of keeps you cruising through the morning, it sounds like. And I just tried that Four Sigmatic mushroom coffee. I just got it for the first time. I love it. It's uh, I, it's because it has, what is it, the lion's mane or the chaga or something in it. I notice a huge yeah. difference. There's a few different ones now that they have, but the one the one I'm taking now is one of their newer products in the morning. It's an adaptogen coffee. So it has like Tulsi and astragalus, I believe in it. And then sometimes I'll do another one before I work, right before I work out. And that one has cordyceps in it. Ooh. And that is really good for pre-workout. It really keeps you focused and keeps you going through your workout. So that's the, that's one I really love. Cool. Yeah. I wasn't planning on talking about mushrooms first, but <laughs> <laughs> now that we are, um, 
wait, what is the, do you know anything about why these mushroom extracts or like what, what's the deal? Like, why do we, I don't even know. Like, why is that a thing? (laughs) (laughs) Mushrooms in general? Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, they've been around forever. They're basically, you know, they are very healing. I don't know all the science behind it, but they're amazing for our immune system. They basically go into our bodies and they give us what we need. So sometimes if like, you know, like reishi, for instance, is one of the mushrooms. Mm -hmm. And that is really, um, it's, it's an adaptogen. Basically, if we're really stressed out, it chills out our nervous system. And if we kind of need a boost, it'll give us that. It responds to what our body needs, which is amazing. Our DNA is very similar to mushrooms, which is another whole crazy thing, which is, I think, why they're so beneficial for us. Nice. I've already learned something. So that's good because I (laughs) I keep seeing it and hearing about it. And then I tried it for myself and I'm like, whoa, I feel really good. Very focused. Um, So anyways, okay, cool. So moving back to what we were talking about before, nutrition and your journey. I met you at the Bulletproof Conference last year and I have to say, first of all, you are, you just glow and I don't know how old you are, but I'm pretty sure you're older than I thought you were because I feel like I've seen it somewhere. You talk about it some, I don't even know, but I'm like, wow, this girl is on top of her game. And I asked you for a blog uh, about what your favorite small habits were that have caused the biggest impact positively on your health. And you shared some really good ones, Um, two of them that I want to actually talk about today. One of them was uh, about food combining and how food combining has really changed your digestion and bloating levels. And so tell us a little bit about where this idea comes from and I guess how to do it. What does it really mean to properly combine the foods that you eat? So food combining has been around for kind of a while and it's a, it's a, it's very popular in the Ayurvedic world. Um, and the purpose is basically we want to keep things very easy on your digestion. So we want food going in and we want food leaving your stomach pretty easily rather than sitting in your stomach fermenting and causing all kinds of gut issues. Um, and also just like a slowdown in your metabolism. When I started food combining, it was life-changing. It's probably the number one thing that has worked for me and makes me feel the best. If I'm not doing it, which I often kind of sometimes will go off and, you know, sometimes you want, um, you know, protein and starches together, which is one of the principles I will do it, but I immediately don't feel great. So the theory behind it is that certain foods require certain enzymes to digest. And when we eat different foods together that those enzymes will cancel each other out. So we don't, some of the rules are like, we don't want to eat our proteins and our starches together because they will, uh, it'll just take longer to digest and will cause food to ferment. Um, another, um, another rule is that we don't want to eat our fruit with any food. So we want to eat fruit on an empty stomach or not at all. We never really want to have it as dessert because fruit is really quick to digest. And so if we have it after we eat food, that's going to take longer to digest, it's going to sit in our stomach, it's going to ferment. So same kind of thing. Wow. Okay. Yeah. The fruit is what kills me because I really do like, like after a meal, I like to have some 
berries or like an apple and then I'm like oh that's not the right that's not food combining situation that's not the rule um okay so very interesting and when you first started this you realized that you had some decrease in bloat and better digestion what about other things that we should be doing to improve our digestion and overall just not not having to deal with things fermenting (laughs) (laughs) yeah it sounds gross doesn't it it does um So one of the big things is eating only when we're hungry. I feel like in this world of we want people to tell us when to eat and what to eat, that we're eating, a lot of people are eating every, you know, two to three hours because they feel like that's how to, that's how they should be keeping their metabolism going. Um, but that is probably one of the worst things you can do because, again, your food is still digesting in your stomach and then you're adding more food. We got to give our systems a break. So eating only when we're hungry, also not overeating. So when we are eating, making sure we're only eating till we're about 80% full. Um, a few other things, of course, like making sure we're eating health promoting foods, nutrient dense foods, whole foods, limiting the processed foods and the sugar. Um, and stress is another big one um, that we often don't think about. But you know, if we're stressed out, it really impairs the gut. So we want to make sure we're taking time for self care and relaxation and making sure we're sleeping enough. Um, eating probiotic foods and also prebiotic foods. So of course it's great to take a probiotic and I think we all should be doing that. Um, but adding in some probiotic foods as well. So some fermented vegetables, kimchi, sauerkraut, um, fermented. I know some people are really into fermented dairy. I'm not a huge fan. I, I tend towards more towards like fermented coconut. So coconut yogurts, coconut kefirs, and then eating prebiotic foods, so prebiotic probiotic foods are the, all the good healthy bacteria and the prebiotic foods are what feeds the probiotics. So we want to keep those healthy bacteria going. So we want to make sure we're feeding those and some good food, some good prebiotic foods are jicama, onions, garlic, tiger nuts, um, which I really love. Um, dandelion, dandelion greens are also really good for that. Um, and then also if we're going to eat starches, cooking them and then cooling them creates more prebiotic fiber. So that's also a really good tip. Nice. An an easy thing to just let our starches cool down and then maybe even just heat it back up. It's still going to have the same effect. Cool. So put it in the fridge and go back to it later. Very interesting. Okay. And fermented foods don't, it's like saying fat makes you eating fat makes you fat. It's not the situation. That's not true. But the same thing with fermented foods. Fermented foods <laughs> don't uh, have that bad fermentation situation, right? <laughs> right. It's the good okay. fermentation. It's the good stuff. Okay. Like good fats. Gotcha. The good ferments. Exactly. Okay. Very cool. So those are some juicy tips. Um, but how, when you say eat till you're 80% full, and for me, I, I'm a intermittent faster and, um, I like to eat like bigger meals probably just because it's easier for my schedule and and whatnot. Any tips for people who are like, well, I don't know how to stop eating (laughs) when I'm full, how to listen to yourself more. Um, any tips for that? Yeah, sure. So this is definitely something I struggle with because I, you know, we all do. I like to eat. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Me too. And I like to feel full. Yes. Um, 
So one of the things is like to eat a ton of vegetables, like to eat your vegetables first to kind of fill up your stomach to give you that sensation of being full without like overloading your system. Um, and also because we're so busy, we like to do so many things while we're eating, like mm-hmm. drive, like work, like watch television, like scroll Instagram, um, which I'm definitely guilty of. Me too. For sure. The phone thing. I'm trying to, my new rule, no phone at the table. That's my thing. That's good. It's it's very hard. It is really I've been hard. trying to. But yeah. I think when we are not distracted with other things that we are more in tune with how our body feels. So even just like before we start eating, taking a few deep breaths so we just center ourselves, ground ourselves. And then while we're eating, just putting our fork down in between bites is a big one just so we're not like shoveling food in our mouth, really taking our time, giving ourselves like a good at least half hour to eat a meal. 20 minutes to 30 minutes to just sit down and eat. We can all take that time. I know everybody's busy, but I think that's one of the best things we can do. Totally. I completely agree. And with the stress thing that you mentioned, I mean, most of us spend most of our day in fight or flight mode. And when we're, our cortisol is high, which is our stress hormone. And so our food can't, we can't really digest during that period when we're in that high stress state. So not eating when you're stressed out, giving yourself a few seconds to take those deep breaths, like you said, or do something that relaxes you before a meal. That at least has made a big difference for me. Um, But you know, it's still something I work on, and I'm sure everybody deals with. So I I like those tips. Those are awesome. Um, So regarding your whole journey and digestion, you went through something called SIBO, which is small intestinal bacteria overgrowth. And how did you find out that you had that? Um, What were your symptoms? And did you do a test? Tell me more when the whole situation, the whole thing. Yeah. So I started seeing a functional doctor um, a little over a year ago because I was dealing with like major bloating, like everything I was eating was bloating me. Um, I just like couldn't get a grasp on it. And I eat so healthy. I was like, what is going on? Like, what is the issue here? So we ran a ton of tests. Not everything came back completely fine. And then they were like, we want to test you for SIBO. And I was like, I don't have SIBO. They're like, let's just test. And I was like, fine. They sent me the test to take at home. And it literally sat here for over a month. I was like, I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it. I don't want to take the test. Finally, I was like, let's just take the test. Let's just make, you know, let me just get the test back. Let it be negative so we can move on and figure out what else is going on. So I took the test, came back positive, Um, which... (laughs) was a relief to some degree because it was like, oh, okay, well, now I know what's going on and now I can fix it. Um, and uh, yeah, so there, it's, it is a breath test. So um, you have to, it's like a three to four hour long test and you have to drink this solution and then you have to breathe into this tube every 20 minutes. Um, and there are two different types of, um, SIBO. So there's a methane dominant SIBO and then a hydrogen dominant SIBO. And the methane dominant SIBO is, um, they have very similar symptoms, but the methane dominant SIBO is the one that I had. So it's more, it's more lean. to like constipation, bloating, trouble losing weight, um, that kind of thing. And then the hydrogen dominant SIBO is more like diarrhea, loose stools, a lot of stomach pain. And then the opposite, like weight loss, like trouble keeping weight on. 
I see. Okay. And is that SIBO test the one where you have to drink really gross sugar drink? Yes. Okay. It's disgusting. I have done that before, actually, because <laughs> I was working with a doctor as well uh, back in, I think, I don't know, maybe it was like two years ago, two and a half. I was having some similar issues, but I just had IBS, but I got that taken care of <laughs> um, for the most part. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's all fixed, but because it was food I was eating, it was just issues with with that and and intermittent fasting helped me so like so many things that you do and you've already talked about really just pretty much solved it for me but um so regarding SIBO so it came back positive you were super bummed and what what worked for you in fixing this or, and what didn't work for you what kind of surprised you about healing yourself on that journey so when I got diagnosed, I started doing a ton of research and it was so frustrating for me because every website, blog, book, podcast, everything I read said something different. So it was very frustrating. And all of the diets were extremely, extremely strict, Mm -hmm. like basically three different vegetables that you could eat. Then other diets said like, you know, maybe four vegetables you could eat. Um, And I just never really felt great about the diet just didn't feel right to me because yes, maybe I would heal my SIBO from the diet, but then I just felt like a bunch of other issues were going to come up because I wasn't having a varied diet. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really follow it. I mean, some days I was trying to, but for the most part, I didn't really follow it. I did take out, I did for the most part, like 80% of the time, take out any like sugar, which I wasn't eating to begin with but I took out like any coconut sugar or honey. Mm. Um, actually I was doing a little bit of Manuka honey towards the end. Um, just a little bit, but otherwise I wasn't really doing any kinds of sugars. Um, and then grains I really limited for the most part. Um, so yeah, so I don't feel like any of, I feel like really nothing helped me except for like talking to people and just thinking about what would help the gut in general is what I found most helpful. So fasting, I felt like was probably the best thing that I did. During that period, I did a four day fast, which I had never even done a one day fast at that point. Mm -hmm. So four days was intense. um, But I feel like that really helped me. Um, That I did the, like there's an herb protocol. They wanted me to take, and even my functional doctor was like, you should take antibiotics. You're pretty healthy. Go on a round of antibiotics. You'll like yeah. kick it out and then it won't come back. But I was not having that. I was not about to take antibiotics. I'm like pretty strict about that. Unless like I'm in the hospital dying, I'm not going to take it. So, um, we did go on like a, a, a two rounds of herbs, um, okay. natural antimicrobials. Um, and then I also did like a lot of oil of oregano. Um, I did the infrared sauna at least once a week, mm-hmm. which I feel like was very helpful. Um, probiotics. I was taking VSL number three, which in some of the research I did said that that type of probiotic was really good for SIBO because a lot of people say probiotics and fermented foods are really not good yeah, for SIBO. That's what I've heard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I did a little bit of fermented foods here and there because I wanted I, I wanted like some good bacteria going into my body. So I did a little bit of that. I just wasn't doing it all the time as I do now. I take I eat fermented foods pretty much every day now. Um so 
that, what else did I do? Food combining, I felt like was really helpful too. Just making sure really being strict about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and colonics, I was doing Ooh. a colonic probably <laughs> oh like God. once a week for a while. Wow. Okay. That is a loaded, loaded <laughs> answer. Um, and <laughs> pun intended. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so, okay. First let's back up. So uh, when it comes to SIBO, it basically means that you have, it's, it's basically, it's fed by sugar, right? Or it's fed that bacteria. It's, you have too much bad bacteria, right? Like, so us- yeah. So okay. basically your large intestine is where most of your bacteria is held, the mm-hmm. good bacteria. Um, and your small intestine is supposed to be a pretty sterile environment. There is some bacteria there, but there's not okay. much. So what happens is somehow, and they don't really know how it happens or why it happens. Um, a lot of people say it, it, um, happens from if you get like a really bad case of food poisoning, um, or some other people say, if you don't have enough hydrochloric acid in your stomach, what can happen is the bacteria from the large intestine can basically like swim up back into the small intestine. Mm -hmm. And then they start to like proliferate there and, that's not good because when food enters your small intestine, it's supposed to like not hang out there. It's supposed to continue going through. And so with SIBO, what happens is anything that's any fermentable carbohydrate will go into your small intestine and the bacteria will start eating it up and the bacteria will produce gas. And so that is what causes the bloating and all the issues. Okay. Gotcha. So you were starving off that bacteria through your dietary changes, the herbs that were killing off the bad bacteria. Um, what, so what were the herbs that you, if you don't mind sharing, obviously it's not going to be for everybody. You don't know. That's okay. Um, <laughs> no, I, so okay. I can tell you. Okay. Well, actually I don't remember one of them. It's a, it's a blend of herbs. So one of them is called like FC. Fidel or something. Mm. I don't even know the name of it. And then the other herb is called dysbiocide. I'm okay. probably butchering All it. Good. Yeah. And then those are the two I, that my functional doctor gave me. And then I also was taking interface, which is a biofilm disruptor. So what happens is these bacteria create these like clusters and then they create this like biofilm around them. So even when you're taking herbs that are supposed to kill bacteria, the biofilm protects them. Oh, wow. Okay. So you have to kind of take a biofilm disruptor in order to kill the biofilm in order to kill the bacteria. Okay. And how did you find, I want to talk about fasting later because I'm sure people are like, what? A four day fast? What? How? Why? Okay. But the other question that I had is how did you find a good doctor to help you with this? So I went to Parsley Health, which I had heard about, actually heard about them first when I was at IAN because they did a presentation there, the doctor, um, Dr. Robin, I forget her last name, but she, um, started this she functional, she blondish. Okay. never mind. Okay. <laughs> There's a lot of Dr. Robins. I'm I sure. think she's a brunette actually. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Go um, ahead. Yeah. So, um, I had a friend who was seeing them for something completely different and she was really loving them. And I just like the functional approach, but they also had you know, they weren't like so out there with everything. They really did tests, which I like to see things. I like to see results. Um, and 
what was great about that is you really had to go into the office basically for the first time. And then otherwise you can see the doctor virtually, which is amazing for somebody who's busy and has a busy schedule and can't really like make, they're in like Marina. So I'm on the East side of Los Angeles. So it's a trek out there. So that was really nice for me. And they also had a health coach that came along with it, which as a health coach was hard for me to kind of take that, but it was nice to have somebody to check in with. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. Okay. Now for fasting. So why a four day fast? This all started because I watched this documentary that I believe was called the power of fasting. If I'm not mistaken, it's on Amazon. Um, and people, there was a bunch of people in this documentary who were healing their conditions, doing a two week fast. And so I thought that it would be kind of the same thing for me to starve the bacteria off. If I did my own kind of fast, I wasn't going to go for two weeks, but, um, I did, I was planning on going for like one or two days. That's awesome. And you ended up going for four days. Yes. Very, very. So sometimes you're capable of more than you think you are. That is a lesson, right? Absolutely. (laughs) Mind over body. Yeah. And so fasting, the benefits in in and of itself, first of all, our ancestors weren't eating every three hours like we are told by conventional media. And fasting has a lot of benefits as far as longevity goes and activating longevity genes. Um, what are some of the other benefits of fasting or even just fasting, not even for a full day, but like a 16 hour fast or an 18 hour fast, which is what we call intermittent fasting? Yeah. So the main reason that I do it is because of the digestive benefit, you know, instead of eating all the time, all day long, every day, we're giving our bodies a rest. And the intermittent fasting, even just doing 12 hours from the time we eat dinner until the time we eat breakfast is beneficial just to give your body, your digestive system a rest and giving it more time is obviously more beneficial. Um, and then the other thing is autophagy, which is basically when you're, you're, when you're not feeding your body any um, food, what happens is your I like to call them precancerous or damaged cells start to die off. We start, that's like, it starts the process of killing those bad cells off. So our body wants to get rid of things that aren't like doing us any good if we're not eating. Yeah. Love that. That, uh, that word autophagy or autophagy is all the rage right now, it seems. (laughs) And any ways that we can activate that is, is in, we desire that. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Okay. So what method of fasting do you practice the most often? Do you, do you do like a mini fast every once a quarter or do you fast every day? Like what's kind of your protocol? For so right. Yeah. So right now I'm currently doing, I'm, I'm mostly doing a 16, eight. So I'm fasting for 16 hours and then eating in an eight hour window pretty much every day. Um, I do allow flexibility. So if one day I'm like starving and I like really need something, or if I've like worked out really hard and I kind of allow my intuition to guide me, but for the most part, I do a 16, eight. Um, and then once a week I've been doing a 24 hour to, I would say like 36 hours. So basically for one full day, I'm not eating anything just as like maintenance. And 
I'm trying to do <laughs> every month, do like a two or three day fast. Oh, wow. But that's been a little bit more challenging for me. Um, I haven't really succeeded every month. Um, I would say I'm maybe succeeding every other month. Wow. And that's like at least for two days. But though that's definitely more difficult for sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, and not everybody is that is that able? <laughs> yes, you don't that, do, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just depends. But I mean, that's truly something that everybody like the fact that you listen to your body. And if you're hungry, you eat. That's the key. I mean, you get to a point where you are able to tap into your intuition, because a lot of people don't actually know when they're hungry or full anymore, because they're so their appetite regulation is so off due to hyper palatable foods and sugar and all this stuff. Um, but now you, you've been eating healthy for a while and doing different fasting. And so you have that ability to listen to your body and that's, that's key. And so for a lot of people easing into fasting, maybe by starting to just do the 12 hour fast from when they go to bed and then pushing their breakfast back a little bit, just to see if they notice any benefits, like in addition to what you were saying, the, um, digestion benefits and autophagy, um, there's also a huge mental benefit that I noticed like BDNF release, which is brain derived nootropic factor. And basically that's miracle grow for your brain almost. So it's like, you feel very focused. You feel very good. Uh, for me, I, I don't notice that I'm having struggles with the morning work grind when I do intermittent fasting, but it just depends on the person. Um, so thank you for sharing your story with that. I've done one three-day fast. And it was because I was in a test group for a, a diet program. And um, that's what got being a part of a group was what got me through it. But I felt so good by the end of day three. It is that weird thing where you're like not even hungry, but you just feel like eating <laughs> at that point. Right. Um, but I've only done it once. And so kudos to you for doing that more than once. I can't even... I have not. Would you do it again? I would. And I've been trying to, I've had a few attempts that have failed (laughs) mainly because I just with my lifestyle changes that have happened, I'm in a band. And so I'm like up to like two in the morning, you know, it's like a lot. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) And stress wise, you know, you have to, your stress, you kind of have to do it at a time when, at least in my opinion, when you can be alone and be introspective and like get a lot of sleep. And for me, that hasn't happened yet. (laughs) So we will, we will see, but I would tell, I've been doing more longer, like, Oh, 24 hour fast here and there. Very, sometimes not even intentionally anymore because I've just, I've just feel like it's more natural, like intuitive listening to when I'm hungry and stuff. And it gets, I'm, it's, I'm shocked that I'm at that point because before I used to not be able to, you know, I used to be the kind of person that did eat all day, you know, small meals throughout the day. And that to me now, I'm just so glad I don't do that anymore. <laughs> it, I, it's, it's very it's freeing. Such a t- and it's such a time saver, right? Yeah. To like not have to eat and plan all these meals all day long. Like, yeah. I mean, sitting to have a meal takes time. I know. I know. And it saves you money too. Because if you just Absolutely. have a, big, a nice big meal with good fats, it's it's nice. Okay, so moving on. You are SIBO-free, and your maintenance plan includes fasting. Is there any other 
things that we should know about your um, maintenance plan? Um, I am pretty much just continuing to do everything that I was doing during the time that I was treating SIBO, except for I'm a little bit more lax on the diet. I'm having, you know, more root vegetables, which I wasn't doing too many of before. Um, I was doing like some beets, some sweet potatoes here and there, but not all the time. Um, so I'm adding those back in a little bit more regularly, um, a few times a week, I guess I would say. Um, and then that's, I'm not really doing the herbs anymore. Um, but otherwise I'm pretty much continuing to do everything except for I'm not doing colonics every week. Ah! I'm still doing them, but you know, not as not, not on a weekly basis. So not a, not a, not a fun thing to do. So no, no, it's not. And for people who don't know what that is, basically (laughs) they stick a tube in your butt and (laughs) just fill it, fill up your colon with water and then pull out all the stuff that's stuck in there, right? Yep. Yep. And you, and you, I mean, it's gross, but I mean, you, you, I mean, I don't really like to look about what's coming yeah. out, but my colon hydrotherapist will tell me things that are coming out and it's, it's pretty, um, pretty amazing. <laughs> and you feel really good after though. That is the thing you feel great after. Yes, totally. So, um, I, I, I will share with the audience that I have done that before. <laughs> And, um, I don't know if this is actually, I don't know if I should go. There. Just the, say it. The, the lady was like, Oh, there's a, <laughs> there, oh, there's a I might have to edit this part out. There's a, <laughs> there's a chickpea in there, like a full chickpea, like that never Stop. got, yeah. Weird. Right. Oh my I God. I know. I'm like, Oh, maybe I don't do so well. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we That's should eat those scary. Like when did I have that? <laughs> Yeah, like in like 1996, <laughs> like still hanging out there. I don't know, but it was quite weird. um quite weird. Anyways, okay. So, and you want to make sure if you're going to do colonics everybody that they have a closed system, right? Or there's I it's I can't remember what it's called, but there's like called a, a gravity. The gravity colonics are the best ones. Okay. And you want to make sure that your practitioner is like with you the whole time and she's the one doing it. Like she's mm-hmm. the one putting water in your colon and taking water out versus, and which I've done in the past where you kind of, they like set you up and then they leave the room and it just kind of happens. That is not as effective. Gotcha. Okay. So don't be unattended with that, with that <laughs> in your butt. Okay. Um, okay. So now let's shift gears a little bit and talk about what your current, um, when you're working with clients, right? And you are doing all this stuff for yourself that's super healthy and they want to do it too. And we oftentimes know what we want to do, but it's very hard to implement change and create new healthy habits. So any tips on the how, how to succeed when implementing a new health habit, general mindset tips you give to clients, things like that? I think one of the most important things is being consistent with things. But I think with consistency, in order to have consistency, you have to have a strong enough why. So if you just want to do it to like lose weight and uh, yeah, I kind of want to feel better. I don't feel like when it's just like, you know, not, you're not two feet in jumping in full force and you don't have a strong enough emotional reason behind it. It's never going to happen and it's never going to stick. You have to really want it and you have to commit to it. And yeah. that has to be the most important thing before anything else. 
Totally. I completely agree. And, and that's why, like I said, when I talk to a lot of these health coaches, their why is so strong because they were really struggling with something or they hit a rock bottom and they never want to feel like that again. And for me, I'm, I just was talking about this on a, a Facebook live. I was saying that I like to go for a feeling that I want to have every day, because if you have an end goal in mind, like lose weight, then once you get there, it's like, okay, your, your driving force has been achieved. So now you just have to maintain it and the drive's not there anymore. So like the goal of feeling amazing and energetic and focused every day, I mean, that gets you focused on what can you do today to make that happen, right? Absolutely. Cool. And that's what I, you know, that's what I try to tell my clients too, is like, eat for how you want to feel. Like yeah. if that meal doesn't make you feel good, let's be aware of that so that the next time we don't eat that, not did that food make me gain weight, but did that, did that food make me feel good? Did that meal make me feel energized? Did it, was it good for my digestion? Did it make me feel heavy or did it make me feel light? Like these are all questions we want to continue to ask ourselves. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about your current focus right now? So you were working on SIBO. What's your current biohack or health thing that you are improving or working on right now? Mm. So I am just continuing to try to improve my gut health. I think that's mm. like a lifelong, oh, it's going to be course. a lifelong for me. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm really, I mean, I'm a sugar addict. I love, and you know, I do the healthy sugars. I do the coconut sugar, the honey, um, and, but I, I'm really trying to cut those things out because I know that they are not beneficial to me. Um, I mean, honey is, has definitely some beneficial properties, but like the coconut sugar, the maple syrup, I try, I'm really trying to like avoid those and doing like more high fat, lower carbohydrates. And just, I feel like I do feel the best when I'm eating that way, less sugar cravings, less cravings for carbohydrates. I eat, I just end up like eating less, mm. um, it just feels better to me. So I'm really trying to like put more focus on that and making sure I'm getting all of those proteins and fats in and, um, yeah, just healing, healing my gut. Yay. Well you go girl. Okay. And any other tips when it comes to big mistakes your clients make when it comes to health, like when you're starting to work with them, what, it, what is the most common misconceptions or mistakes they have? Mm, you know, this is, I don't know if this is going to be a popular answer, but I, I don't know if I necessarily believe in like moderation, which I think a lot of people try to practice <laughs> mm -hmm. because I think it's so much harder to make when you make small changes, even though that it might, I don't, I don't know, even though I think that's what a lot of people want to do make small changes and, you know, those small changes will eventually add up. But I think when you make small changes, you don't feel the, the huge benefit that you feel when you make large changes. And when you make those large changes, you, you're, you just, you, you realize that you weren't feeling good before and how much better you feel. Like even just like taking gluten, sugar, soy mm -hmm. grains out of your diet and just like feeling that out and you can add them back in at a later point in time and see how you feel. But I, I feel like just taking everything out at one point in time and feeling that huge benefit is, is much more beneficial than the small changes. Yeah, no, that's, I 
that's not a not popular answer. I think it's hard. I think people, it depends on the person, but I think that a lot of people aren't wired to do moderation, like especially with sugar, which is addictive and makes you want to eat more and, you know, over consume it. Like it's hard to be a moderation person with something that's made to not make you want to have moderation. So (laughs) I think when in that regard, in that regarding that, yes, totally agree with you there. And so when people take out all those things, imagine how good you can feel. So, okay. Awesome. Well, Amanda, you are lovely and very well-spoken and know a lot about gut health and SIBO and digestion and colonics. So (laughs) where can our audience connect with you, find you, work with you? So I have a website, um, it's rawfitnessandnutrition.com. And then my Instagram as well, which I'm pretty active on, is at rawfitnessandnutrition as well. So either of those avenues, people can connect and talk to me there. I love, you know, talking to people and helping people. So yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And she really does keep it real on Instagram. I definitely recommend following her over there. And uh, we will talk again soon. Thank you so much for having me. Thank Thank you you so much for listening to today's episode. Be sure to get your free gift over at HaleyRowe.com by joining my email list. And remember, you can always connect with me and other health coaches in the Health Coach Nation free Facebook group where I post trainings and videos on how to take your health coaching business to the next level. Can't wait to connect with you. Have an awesome day. Special reminder that none of the advice given on today's show can serve as medical advice. Always talk to your doctor and thanks for listening.